Hello, Fantasy Disc Golf fans, and welcome to Chill This Days, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Matthew Williams, and you can find me on Twitter at Mr. Chilliams and Instagram at Chill This Days. I'd like to officially welcome you to episode number six of Chill This Days. And on today's episode, we are going to take a deeper dive into some of the UDIS stats. Uh, we're going to take a look at some of the major stat categories, get more into the descriptions, and look at who led the way in some of these categories in 2022. Uh, just want to start off the show again by giving a huge, huge shout out to Johnny V for, for joining us last episode, giving us some great insight into not only the history of Skip Base, but some of the improvements for next year. And... Johnny B is making a lot of changes. I uh, want to touch on some of the the points that he made last last episode that that we'll be looking at uh, to adjust going forward. Uh, one of the things he mentioned with the FPO uh, coming up next year, I've been basically just doing MPO coverage due to that really being all that was available in Skip Base last year. But with uh, Johnny V coming out with those new roster slots, having the ability to add FPO in there and choosing the ratio of MPO to FPO players, we will be integrating that into our analysis going forward. So I will be the first to admit I do need to do more um, coverage on the FPO side just, you know, for the last few years, I've been mainly following the MPO, FPO side of things. I'll, I've watched a few rounds, kept up with highlights and things like that. But in terms of me being the best fantasy disc golf analyst I can be, I know I need to set my game up on the FPO side of things. So this year will definitely be big on getting more into both MPO and FPO coverage, finding that value between the two leagues since they will be integrated into the same into the same league. You know, you'll have MPO and FPO players in the same league. As Johnny touched on, you know, how do you value the players from FPO with that smaller field? So we will get into that, finding that good balance of value on the MPO and FPO side, getting that top 100 rankings I mentioned for the draft guide. It's going to take an adjustment because we'll integrate those FPO players in there as well. He did touch on the, you know, like the different tours, um, like a, uh, anything from your local events, ABC tiers to the Silver Series and European Pro Tour. What I would like to say on that for me, in terms of my analysis, is right now I'm going to still put my main focus on the those 17 events that we were talking about in Skip Base. You know, he mentioned with like the MVP Open being a playoff event and the limited field, he didn't include that. So I would like to, until I feel comfortable knowing those courses, like the back of my hand, I just don't think it's a good idea to spread myself too thin on the analysis. So like, I literally want to be able to close my eyes, have someone say Jonesboro hold five and me be able to tell you the par, like the distance, just what the player needs to do. So like looking at next year, there's 26 total courses with 468 holes that we'll be looking at. So until I like feel totally 100% confident in giving you guys the best analysis 
on those 468 holes, I probably won't be getting into the European Pro Tour or the Silver Series. So just a little disclaimer on that front. I think this first year, you know, Johnny mentioned the different tours, but, you know, I'll shift my focus to include the FPO players, but I think trying to include all the Silver Series and European Pro Tour um, might be a little bit too much this first year. We'll see. And obviously, as the year goes along, We'll, we'll try to integrate, you know, we'll try to get integrate some analysis on those events throughout the year. But, you know, just disclaimer from, from the top, kind of talking about what was Johnny was mentioning with the other tours. I think I will put that main focus on the Disc Golf Pro Tour still. Uh, another point that Johnny made last episode that totally slipped my mind when I did my first episode talking about the current fantasy disc golf landscape, uh, I moved from Kansas to Missouri a couple of years. So I have fallen off the daily fantasy game, but he had mentioned that price picks, um, which I am familiar with. I haven't actually played on price picks, but I've definitely heard about them. They have fantasy disc golf available. Looks like we will be adding the price picks to the grip six pick six kind of pre-tournament predictions, as well as some like start sits. I think with the not only the daily fantasy trying to do some predictions but before the tournaments with your season-long leagues i actually think start sits will be a bigger factor i think with disc golf there really is a lot of like options capabilities maybe towards the end of your bench i don't think you'll have at the end of your bench it won't be as set it and forget it as maybe the front half of your bench i really do think there will be more streaming opportunities so start sits will be a big thing in our pre-tournament predictions as well. So we'll be looking at grip six, pick six. We'll be looking at those prize picks. And then we'll also be looking at some start sits for your season long league. All right. Now, with that being said, let's get into some of these UDIS stats. Uh, I know Johnny had talked about, you know, how kind of that was the end goal to get some of the UDIS stats um, from Matt and Josh over at UDISC. And get some of those category leagues. I think that would be real fun. Uh, I actually really like what he was mentioning just with what he could do with the PDGA data. You know, I was like, I didn't even think about that. Like with football, you know, you can adjust like the points per, per reception and have those, those options just to adjust the scoring. And yeah, I didn't really even think about just adjusting the scoring with a lot of the options. You could adjust the scoring with just the PDGA data, you know, extra points for birdies or, penalties for bogeys, um, the round ratings that he mentioned. So I like where he, I like where his head was at with the potential of where he could take fantasy with PDGA. I still think, uh, the UDIS though category leagues will eventually be a huge hit. So I really wanted to dive more into those UDIS categories for maybe those listeners who, who aren't as familiar, um, with the specifics. All right, so starting off, you will have your putting categories, and they have it broken down as C1 putting, C1X putting, and C2 putting. Your circle one putting will be anything from 0 to 33 feet. C1X will be anything from 11 to 33 feet, so they say basically all putts that aren't tap-ins, which I don't know if you consider a 10-foot a tap-in. I don't know. I've missed plenty of 10-footers, so I don't know if I consider that a tap-in, but... That is the definition, and then you will have circle two putting from
from your 33 to 66 feet. And then anything over that, they would consider a throw-in, um, anything over that C2. Then you have fairway hits. Uh, fairway hits tracks a player's accuracy on drives. So it's basically landing your drive on the fairway. On a par three, the player's first throw has to land in circle two or closer to count as a fairway hit. On a par four, the player's first throw must land in circle two or on the fairway to count as a fairway hit. So if they don't have a clear shot at the basket, if they're in the woods, they would be considered off the fairway. And then on a par five, the player's first and second throws are included in the stats and must land on the fairway or in circle two to count. So on a par five, a player may have one fairway hit and one miss. So it says note on a par three, the fairway hit stat will be identical to the circle two in regulation stat. And we will get into that. So the circle in regulation, in regulation is always two less than the par of the hole. So reaching a circle in regulation means a player is in position for a birdie putt. So basically how many opportunities are these players getting at a birdie? So circle two in regulation, reaching C2 with two shots remaining for par. So on a par three, the player's first throw has to land in circle two or closer to get credit for hitting circle two in regulation. Kind of touching on why that C2 in regulation for a par three will be identical to the fairway hit. On par four, the second player's second throw has to land in circle two or closer to get credit. And on a par five, the player's third throw has to land in circle two or closer to get credit. So just looking at a little discrepancy on par threes, you're looking at the same between fairway hits and circle and regulation. Par fours, it's looking like for fairway hits, it's only referring to the first throw being on the fairway or in circle two, whereas in, in regulation, the par four is concerned about the second throw landing in circle two or closer. And then the par five player's first and second throws are included in the stats and must land on the fairway on circle two to count for fairway hits. Again, par five for circle and regulation, the player's third throw has to land in circle two. So really those circle and regulation is just are you in circle two for your birdie shot basically is what that's looking at so less concerned with the fairway and really just concerned with how many opportunities uh, inside the circle one or two you're giving yourself for birdies and it does mention that Reaching circle one with two shots remaining for par and a chance of birdie also counts as hitting C2 in regulation and then landing with a tap-in for birdie within 11 feet of the basket also counts as hitting C1 and C2 in regulation. And eagle and albatross also counts for all three of those stats as well. Uh, scramble percentage. So the scramble stat tracks a player's ability to recover from an off-target drive and avoid carting a bogey. So if you throw OB or off the fairway in your drive and still save a par or better, that would qualify you for scramble percentage. Uh, bounce back, this looks like a pretty easy one to track. The bounce back stat tracks player's ability to recover from a bogey and immediately card a birdie or better on the next hole. That's an easy one you could do with the PDGA data. Um, OB rate, this um, could be an indicator of aggressive versus safe play. Basically, it's just the total number of OB strokes divided by the total number of holes tracked. So, okay. It's possible to have an OB rate higher than 1.0, but the player would have to go OB more times than the number of holes played. 
And let's see, throw in rate, it is that anything outside circle two. Uh, birdie rate, the number of holes with a birdie or better divided by the number of hole played. Obviously, another one easy to do with the PDGA data. Uh, they have the precise power index. It's a measure of a player's ability to throw long distance shots that set them up well to score. Uses a combination of landing zone and hole distance data to determine how close to the basket a player can land their throws in the longest holes on tour. So what I like about this is they talk about how it's not just about like the longest holes, the par fours and fives, in terms of just distance, but really like the, this is the average shot length a hole requires to reach the green in regulation so that longer par threes are also included in the mix. So they consider holes that are in the upper 20% of distance on tour and a player scores points towards their PPI if they're able to set themselves in a scoring position and it doesn't penalize them for their actual putts. So the only metric is if they have, if they give themselves a chance. Uh, MPO top 20 in PPI last year, you have Albert Tom leading the way and how many opportunities he gives himself for birdies, but just not converting. So, I mean, that this the, the that stat kind of backs that up. I know I heard Brian Earhart talking about um, Tom at the European Open. His, his putting's been pretty tough. Uh, so, uh, Albert Tom, the 45.8 leading the way for PPI. And then, yeah, his putting was 72% C1X. So, I mean, that doesn't take it into consideration with the PPI, but it just goes to show you how many opportunities for birdie Albert's given, just not converting. Uh, Calvin was number two. Jake Hebenheimer, we talked about his throwing on one of the earlier episodes. And this kind of reinforces that as his throwing's really what's been... Uh, leading him the way more so than the horseshoe putt. Uh, fourth was Anthony Barella. Fifth, you had Ricky Wysocki. Sixth, Kyle Klein. Seventh, Silas Schultz. Eighth, Simon Lazat. Nine, Ezra. Uh, ten, no surprise with Ezra, man. He got 17 Eagles last year. Uh, ten, Drew Gibson. Eleven, Paul McBeth. Twelve, Corey Ellis. Thirteen, Cole Redown. Fourteen, Garrett Gerthy. Fifteen, Brody Smith. Sixteen, Aaron Gossage. Oh my gosh, what a big arm. So really power. And I would say this has been pretty accurate so far. James Conrad, Ty Love, the youngin, Isaac Robinson, and then Seppo, who is recently retired. So those were your top 20 PPI. And it said starting with the 2022 Green Mountain Championship, you can go to the stats tab on UDIS Live and sort the season leader by precise power index. So I don't know if they just started tracking that at the GMC, but I think that's going to be a fun category to look at is really who is giving themselves those opportunities. And then you can kind of take that correlation to their C1X putting. Like if they just like, look at Jake, look at Albert Tom, look at Ezra. If they improve that at all, you can see huge jumps because they're giving themselves so many opportunities. So you know, uh, Johnny and I talked about sleepers a little bit, and yeah, none of those guys are sleepers, but they are guys who could make really big jumps if they get that C1X putting up at all. I believe, you know, Albert, Jake, and Ezra are in the 70s um, for 
circle C1X putting. Yeah, Ezra is 78%, 158th. So yeah, those guys. Oh my gosh, Jake, Albert, and Ezra right off the bat. And then you saw Calvin up there too. I mean, that I don't think that's really surprising. He is fantastic. You know, the Eagle, um, just throwing those straight line drives. So honestly, really not surprised to see Calvin up there. And that and that's kind of why I think Calvin is is really just a really, really safe pick this year. I honestly would have no problem taking him number one overall. He's just super safe, uh, super consistent, and you kind of see that with the PPI as well. He's given himself a lot of opportunities, and Calvin's C1X putting is a lot better than those guys. His is at 85%, which was good for 27. So Calvin, I think that just goes to reinforce just his good overall game giving himself, he's a great thrower, and he's giving himself, uh, he's converting when he's giving himself opportunities as well. Now, the strokes gain statistics, this one's going to be uh, a little touchy. I don't think I'm going to go too much into to depth on the, on the strokes gained, but I do think that it could be a good resource for you guys to utilize if you want to dive too, uh, more into it. I just think it'll be too difficult for me to explain, um, but if you go on you just, they, they have an in-depth article that really gets into the strokes game category. Basically, it's really looking at the expected strokes from whatever position you're in and compared to the rest of the field. So the strokes you're gaining off the tee based on what the average finish is and how many throws you're expected to get from that position. We'll look into that more, but strokes gained, um, I don't think will be, it'll, it won't be in the category leagues, I don't think ever. There's just a little too much computation that goes into those, but I think it could be a good resource to really dive into a player's game a little bit more. All right, now let's get into some of your leaders for these stats from 2022, and... I am just going to go off a of disk. I'm not going to filter by events played or anything. I'm just going to read down this list to give you an idea of where some of these guys are at. So looks like I'll probably do like the top 10, uh, some of these categories. Uh, so we'll start with fairway hits. Uh, leading the way, a name I am not familiar with, Timu Lampanen. Looks like he played... Five events in 2022. He must be European. Um, says he's from Florida, but he played in the European Open. Got 20th. The Finnish Nationals got second. Uh, a couple events. Yeah, looks a couple more events in Finland. But he led the way in fairway hits at 80%. And I think that's another reason we want to go into these is just kind of get an idea of where. Like, what's a good number for some of these categories? So 80% was leading the way in fairway hits. Second, you had Jake Lauber at 78%. Chris Dickerson at 77%. Joseph Anderson, um, he was at 76%. He played, oh wow, he played at Idlewild, USDGC, uh, Lake Marshall, New World, and... 76% fairway hits. Good for fourth. 
small sample size, but like I said, we're just going to stick with the leaders. Then you had Kale LaVisca coming at number five, Paul Macbeth, number six. They were both tied to 76. Looks like a lot of these guys. Nico's at 76%, Isaac's at 76%. And you had Gannon Burr at 75%, Harper Thompson at 75%, Andrew Presnell, Joel Freeman, Matty O, Luke Taylor, Kyle Klein, Logan Harpool, Matthew Thompson, Calvin Heiberg, and Ricky Wysocki all at 75%. So I would say it's looking like you really want to see 70% and above. It's looking like is what you're looking at for. Fairway hits is a good number. C1 in regulation leading the way. You had Jasper Heino, another name I'm not familiar with. Looks like another European guy. Bunch of events in Finland. Led the way. I mean, he had, it's, I wouldn't consider it a small sample size. 46% C1 in regulation, tied with Eagle at 46%. Uh, ooh, I, I told uh, I told Johnny I needed to work on my pronunciation. So yeah, we're going to be working through this. Piri Jutsen, Finland. Oh, it wasn't Florida. It was Finland. The FL, the FI, I got those mixed up. So yeah, Timu Lampinen, probably not from Florida, probably from Finland. Uh, those look very similar. <laughs> Um, so let's see. Yeah, Jasper looks like another Finnish player. You know, I was watching the um, European Pro Tour, and I think was it uh, Nate. Daw it was Nate or Brian was talking about the Finnish players and their winners, where they're just always working on their form uh, in like indoor arenas and whatnot in the winters because it's so cold. And I think you're already starting to see. I'm already starting to see this. Some of these Finnish players. Fourth, Ricky Wysocki, 44% C1 regulation. There we go. Oyvind Yarnes, not Finnish, uh, Norwegian, but another European guy already up here. So we have three European players in the top five in C1 in regulation. Oh, we got more. Uh, Joanna Heinenen and then Rasmus, um, Rasmus Sakoripi. This is going to be uh, tough. I'm going to have to work through these, but yeah. Rasmus Sakoripi, 43%. Calvin Heinberg at 43%, another top 10 uh, Elias Lukanen. Then you got Ezra Adelhold, Chris Dickerson at 43%, Seppu Payo at 43%, Kyle Klein at 43%. And that will round out your top 10. So it's looking like you really want to probably see 40%, maybe even like 35 to 40. It looks like 35 at least. So what you're looking for, you got guys like uh, Ben Calloway, Presnell, Sexton, um, Proctor, Colleen, Barsbier sitting at that 35%. I think anything below 30% is definitely uh, a little concerning. Uh, C2 in regulation, we got a couple autos. I'm not talking about auto picks, although if these guys blow up, they might be an auto pick. Otto Makinen and Otto Lettinen. Coming in at 73% C2 in regulation. Then you got Timbo lamping in again. And Jasper again. You got Daniel Davidson. R2 Rossinen. Rasmus. Elias. Eagle. I don't know if maybe there are courses over there. Are more conducive to getting in the circle. While you're seeing so, so many European players um, in that category. But those are, let's see, Eagle. 
Joanna Heinonen, Rasmus, Piri Jusen, or even Yarnes, and then you got Nico, Chris Dickerson, Paul Macbeth. Eagle was at 68%, Oyvind was 67, Nico 67, Chris 67, Paul 67. Um, the autos led the way at 73%. So looking like the 60%-ish range, 60 plus is kind of what you're shooting for on the C2 in regulation. Scramble percentage, no surprise really leading the way here. Uh, Ricky Wysocki, your scramble king. Then you had Daniel... Davidson, uh, Gannon Burr was 63% scramble. Ricky was 64, tied with Daniel. Then you had Matthias Valota. Hopefully said that right. Looks like he had some events in Finland, Estonia, and then the All uh, European Pro Tour All-Star event. And he was sitting at 62% scramble. Michael Johansson, 62%. Uh, scramble, gotta love him still, still going strong. Uh, Chris Dickerson, 60%, Eagle, 58%, and then Yuho Pilkinen, 58%, Andrew Marweed, Cookie Monster, coming at 57%, Matty O at 57%, showing his scramble skills. Then you had uh, Jasper Heino again, Lori Lettinen at the 57%, as well, as long as E2. Salamaki at 57%. Looks like he is a Finnish player as well. Looks like I need to look in more to the Finnish players. Looks like they are crushing it at some of these categories. So if we ever do get in the category league, that could be something to look at if you do start incorporating the European Pro Tour. It's looking like a lot of these European players are pretty high in some of these categories. So if we ever get to a category league, you might need to uh, dive deeper into some of the European players and their schedules, see how much they will impact your team's categories, how much weight that will play. Because we talked about how there's only seven European Pro Tour events. So I guess depending on how your schedule works out, um, how much of a factor they'll actually have on your team. But looks like they're crushing on some of these stats. C1X putting and leading the way, you had the cookie monster Andrew Marweed at 92%. C1X. Then you had Leo Piranin. Another guy I'm not familiar with. I'm going to guess Finnish. Oh, he's Finnish. And Ricky Watt. He was at 90. No, he was at, yeah, 90%. Paul Macbeth was at 90%. Eagle at 90%. Christopher Kesseloff at 89%. Dan Brooks Wells at 89%. James Proctor and Gannon Burr were at 89%. Then you had a bunch of 88s. You had uh, Isaac Robinson, Nate Metzler, Alan Wagner, Corey Ellis, and Chris Clemens. And then at some 87s, you had Michael Rassinen, Matthew Oram, Linus Carlson, Ricky Wysocki, Adam Hammes, Nico Pumalin, Andrew Fish, Colton Montgomery. Oh, Andrew Fish, Colton Montgomery coming at that 86. So um, as far as C1X putting, 80% for sure and better is what you want. Definitely the 70s can be a bit concerning and low 70s, 60s are, yeah, stay away territory. Peter Lunday, oh my gosh, he's at 60% C1. It's a name I've heard, I didn't realize his, he's a Norwegian guy. Yeah, it looks like he was a great thrower. 12% parked, which was 17th, but C1X, 60% for 256. 
Uh, I'd be curious to see what his PPI was. It seems like some of these guys with the PPI that are higher, I don't know why their C1X is so bad. I don't know if it's just a matter of practice, I guess, allocation uh, or what the correlation there is. But, you know, it's not like like the big guys in basketball who suck at free throws. I just don't see the correlation right now with the PPI and the C1X putting, but it seems like there is a correlation. Don't really understand it, but it's just an observation. And then C2 putting, leading the way, Cameron Messerschmidt at 39%. Okay. Uh, Cookie Monster coming in second at 38%. So Andrew Marweed, he was kind of like uh, Corey Ellis last year. Corey Ellis last year led the way in C1X putting and C2 putting. Um, so Andrew Marweed coming in first in C1X, C1X putting and then Barely coming in second um, in C2 putting at 38% behind Cameron's 39. Then you had Ganon Burr at 37%. Then you had Coriolis at 35%. So coming in fourth, still consistent for Corey. Um, 35% for Eagle, 33% for Raven Newsome. Uh, I And that's uh, something I wanted to touch on when I talked about him on the bounce back candidates was how good his C2 putting is. Uh, he was in the 30s last year as well. So Gracie, two putter for for Raven. And I think his C1X putting is a lot better than the 79% he put up last year. So in terms of bounce backs, just want to reiterate that Raven picks 33% C2, 32% for Thomas Gilbert, 32% for Paul McBeth, 32% for Chandler Fry. Always known him as a great putter. He's at 84% C1X as well. Um, Isaac Robertson. Matty O, Ezra Aderhold, and Jake Mon coming in at that 32% range. So for C2, I think you're kind of looking at that 30% as a sweet spot number. Nothing, nothing wrong with like the 25 to 30%. But I think the 30, 30 plus is a is a good C2 number if you're looking at that categories. And then looking at OB rate leading the way. Michael Johansson, uh, then you had, he was at 0.033, which would be like 3% OB, which is nuts. So, uh, Michael, that experience showing off. Then you had Timo Lampanen again, uh, R2 Rassanen, Daniel Davidson, Raimo Soka, Topias Jokinen. These guys were at 5.9%, 5 5.9, 5 6.3, 6.4, 6.4, 6.7 was Luke Taylor. Kalhame, uh, Jonas Alto, looks like he is another Finnish player. And here we go, Terry Roethlisberger, he only had two events, so that's a small sample size, 7%. Uh, Harper Thompson at 7.1. see if we can get down here a little bit. Some guys who... who on tour more. Kale LaVisca was at 7.3. Ganon Burr, 7.4. Nico was at 7.6. I believe when I looked, Paul and Ricky were kind of like in the 8 range. Oh, wow. Ricky was at 10.3%, which was 77th. And Paul was at 9.6, which was 63rd. So, I mean, you know those guys are... There are definitely more aggressive players. I mean, when you have the capability to get birdies, Paul was second in birdies last year. I mean, you got to be aggressive. So you'll have some some OB in there, but it's kind of looking like that 10% range 
is the highest you want to go with the best being that 3% buy. Michael, I think you're looking at the, I would say like the 7 to 10 range is, is solid. 5 to 7 would be pretty wild. I think Michael's 3 is just a huge outlier. I don't, I think that's pretty, pretty nuts. And anything over 10% is probably a little scary if uh, they're not, I don't know if there's correlation with the fairway hits as well. Probably look at the four fairway hits and the OB percentage. But those are uh, kind of the main categories that we're looking at. And and we'll get more into it with, like like I said, with some of the correlation between some of these stats I'd really like to get into more once. And this will probably be on a more per tournament to tournament basis, looking at the correlation between these stats, like, you know, OB rate and fairway hits and the PPI and putting is something I'm really going to be looking at, like why there's such a drastic difference in the guys who are just bombing it and they're C1 putting, like like a guy like Calvin who is top 10 in both C1X putting, or he wasn't top 10 in C1X putting, but he was respectable, but he was top 10 in P PPI. So like those will be real evident in consistency if you're talking about a guy who's Oh, I'm, I'm looking at Calvin's numbers right now. Uh, 18th in fairway hits, 8th in parked, 8th in C1 in regulation, 17th C2 in regulation, 4th in birdie percentage, 27th in C1X putts, and 17th in C2. 52% scramble at 44th. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, Calvin's game did just so well-rounded. So well-rounded. And you've seen him, you know, we've always known him to be that line drive thrower, but his his approach game with the Toro, his forehand developing too, and he's what, 25-ish? He's in his prime, so Calvin is just such a safe pick this year, um, and if you ever get to a category leagues, he could, like him again, and I could see competing for that top overall spot, which is so consistent in every area. Yeah, that's a deeper dive into some of the U-Disc. If some of you guys are already familiar with these, this might not have been as entertaining, but some of you guys who maybe aren't as familiar with the UDIS categories, um, I think it's something that can really showcase a player's whole game. And, and, and that's why I kind of like the category leagues in, in basketball, um, because, you know, you can look like a guy in we Russell Westbrook in points leagues versus Russell Westbrook in category leagues. Totally different player. So that's why I think looking at some of these categories is really fascinating with the disc golf players as well, is because we can really look at all aspects of their game. See guys like Corey Ellis, you, you know, think of him, you're like, wow, he's such a great thrower, but you know, you don't think about him. I mean, we know he's a great putter, but you know, top number one, both years in both categories. And then, you know, top, you know, still in top five, Mara Weed crushing it, Jake Hemenheimer, you know, just looking into these, you, you kind of realize more about their games because like I've already talked about it with Jake's putts, you know, so much attention goes on the putts, but it's really his throwing that's been crushing it. So I like that's why I like getting into the categories. I think it really showcases the whole game. And then I really just want to get more into like what's the good numbers, what's the correlations between some of these things, and also the courses um, and weather conditions, if it's going to drive up some of these numbers and how it affects that. So this was a good intro to UDIS categories and. I think will help us all become better fantasy players as well.
All right, well, that will do it. That will wrap it up for this episode of Chill Dis Days, a sports ethos presentation. Again, I am your host, Matthew Williams. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Mr. Chilliams and Instagram at Chill Dis Days. Next episode, I'm going to get into a little segment inspired by Dan Vespers's Old Man Squad. Uh, we're going to do kind of like a a young man squad and an old man squad. We're going to look at some of the young guns in disc golf. And then on another episode after that, kind of look at some of the more tenured experienced players and what to expect from those age generations for 2023. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Give me a, give me a like, a rate, review, all that good stuff. I appreciate it. And thank you for listening and may all your bogeys become birdies.